And welcome to the Voice of a Lion. I am Clay Schroff. And I am Michelle Schroff. And together, with an amazing guest, we are the Voice of the Lion. And we hope that it inspires you, gives you guidance, and you find strength in the journey and the stories of those that we have on. Now, Michelle is not only my co-host, but she's my gorgeous wife of 24 years. She's the mother of our 10 children and the best Mimi in the world. She was voted Mother of the Year by American Mothers Incorporated. She is the director of Zoe, which is a nonprofit that empowers and equips women that find themselves in abusive situations, poverty, and incarceration. She's an amazing public speaker, empowering those around her. She's a life coach, a mentor, and she is the blog author of runmama.run. Clay is not only the most adventurous husband, daddy, and papa, he is a veteran of the United States Air Force, specializing in security and law enforcement. He is currently the top producer for Larry H. Miller Automotive Corporation, director of Aspen, a nonprofit that positively impacts the family, and he is also a mentor, life coach, and a dynamic public speaker. We are so excited to hang out with you for the next 30 minutes or so. Welcome to the Voice of a Lion. And in three, two, one. So we're back, Clay and Michelle Schroff, and we are the Voice of a Lion. And we have the privilege for a very special guest today, General Miguel Aguilar. Welcome to the show. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. So you and me first met a while back, and at the time, you were a colonel, and you were also a major. And how is that possible? He was a major with the state police oh, wow. um, department. Huh. So that was kind of a neat deal. Yeah. So you're right. When we met, I was I was the uh, major at New Mexico State Police, so special operations um, in overseeing a bunch of specialty teams, which is, you know, we had a common friend who introduced us. And uh, in, I, had, I did that for 20 years. Uh, but since I was uh, 18 years old, uh, I went to New Mexico Military Institute and got my commission there and, and joined the New Mexico National Guard. And so since 1990, I've been a member of the New Mexico National Guard part-time. Um, and then uh, in 1998, I became a state police officer. How fun is that? Wow. So it, now let me tell me a little bit more about, so obviously you were with the National Guard and you were with the state police. So when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? I didn't know what I wanted to be. Hmm. That that was uh, so. I grew up very humble, humble beginnings. Um, I grew up in in a small town, Dexter, New Mexico, just outside of Roswell. And the, my dad was a farm laborer. Um, there was seven of us. Uh, we didn't have a lot, and so I I had a little bit of athletic skill. Uh, I was a pretty good student, uh, but but there really wasn't a path laid out for me, and so. Uh, I didn't know what I was going to be it, it, leading into my junior, my senior year of high school. College wasn't a certainty. Um, in fact, I had, I had considered joining the Navy because I had uh, taken the ASVAB school uh, test and, and apparently I, I had done something right. I'd scored well, I think in math. And, and so the Navy recruiters came a calling and were, uh, were, were looking to, to get me to enlist in the, their nuclear power program. Yeah. And, and I thought that was the way forward. And, at, uh, at some point in my senior year, I think it was in the fall or, or in the winter, um, I had a recruiter that, uh, or, or a counselor at high school there that, that uh, decided to take me to New Mexico Military Institute. Uh, I, out of the blue, I don't know why. Uh, I didn't ask for it. 
I, I had never intended to, to go to New Mexico Military Institute, though I grew up 18 miles from there, so I knew what it was. Uh, and uh, he took me, and, and you know, instantly uh, I got a I got a scholarship for for a thousand dollars, which was a lot of money at the time for me. And uh, in the admissions, uh, the dean of admissions said, "Hey, uh, would you like to join this advanced ROTC program?" And I didn't I didn't know what ROTC was. There there wasn't a, a long history of military service in my family. Um, and he told me I could be a commissioned officer and commissioned as a second lieutenant. I honestly had no idea what that meant. Uh, but he did say, look, we'll, we'll pay you $100 a month while you're in the program. Uh, we'll give you $1,000 for your uniforms. Um, and so I knew I didn't have $900 for uniforms, and I knew I didn't have $100 a month. And so uh, I, I kind of started to consider it. And, you know, I still was looking at the Navy. Uh, my uh, my brother, who had enlisted in the Army and was serving in Germany at the time, called one day to the house, and, and I happened to answer the phone and he started asking me about what I was doing and what my plans were. And I said, well, I th- I'm thinking about joining the Navy. Um, you know, it might be a good deal. You enlisted in the army. And, uh, and he said, well, what about college? I said, well, there's, I, I don't, there's, there's not a path for that. I, I don't know how I do that. And uh, he said, well, there's nothing else that, that you could do. And he said, well, I said, well, my counselor took me to, to the New Mexico military Institute and um, something about an ROTC program. And, and he, you know, he doesn't even remember this conversation. Um, <laughs> But he said, "Hey, um, look, I'm I'm a I'm a specialist in the army right now as an E4, right? And I I think you, you take it from me, you're better off being an officer in the military mm-hmm. um, than than you are to be a specialist. And so he goes, you should give that a shot. And if it doesn't work out, you can always join the Navy later. Um, and so that kind of started along that path." And, uh, and that's how I got there. And then the, the third component to it, um, is, um, after I had decided, you know, that maybe this is what I wanted to do. Um, uh, we, like I said, we didn't have a lot of money. And so, um, I got Pell grants, um, and, and I had that thousand dollar scholarship and I had the money that was coming in from the program. But, um, you know, when you do that financial aid form, if you've ever had a kid go to school, you get this, you get this form that says, Hey, here's your family contribution mm-hmm. to college. And when I got that letter, it was it was right at a thousand dollars, and I don't know how I was going to get that thousand um, dollars. And so I had a conversation with my parents, and it's a funny thing my my dad passed away um, a little over a year ago, mm-hmm. and I hadn't thought of this moment in in all these years. Um, but they went down the street um, to Roswell, and they went to uh, to what. I wouldn't say as a predatory lender, but certainly a high interest lender. It's one of those short-term 24% mm-hmm. interest mm-hmm. deals. And and my dad took out a $1,000 loan uh, to pay the family contribution. Now, and your dad, you said, was a He's farm a farm laborer. laborer. Yes. And and where did he come from? Uh, so he grew up, he grew up in, in Southeast New Mexico. So uh, he was born in Artesia. Right. Um, he's a lifelong, uh, you know, um, member of that area. And so... He took out and, and, it, and it, it didn't resonate. And, you know, there's a scholarship that we've since uh, created in my, in my dad's name for, for mm-hmm. a student at Dexter high school. But um, you know, what I tell folks is look, he mm. made a bet on my life with money. He didn't have Wow. Um, to get me into to New Mexico military Institute. And, uh, and so that's kind of how it all started. And, you know, a couple of years later I, I got commissioned and, uh, and I joined the national guard and, uh, you know, 30, almost 30 years later, 
um, you know, here I am. You know, and people who don't actually understand rank in the military, you're a, you're a general, and that's not something that everyone can achieve. You have to go before a congressional hearing, if I'm not mistaken. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, so so the promotion process, uh, when you get to this level, is it's a, uh, there's, there's a, it's, it takes a while. It takes about a year. There's a lot of scrutiny that you go through, and, and your records are reviewed, um, and uh the nomination goes to the to the president. Uh, the president then nominates us to the Senate, and the Senate has mm-hmm. to do a confirmation. So it doesn't require me to sit before the Senate, but but uh, but certainly it it's a it's a Senate approval before we can get promoted. Yes. Well, and what's really kind of cool for me is that I know that you were sent to me, and I'm in the car business. So that's how I pay for all of this stuff. And uh, uh, the people who were under you in the state police. And then I knew several people who knew you in the National Guard. Everybody had super high regard. Mm-hmm. Didn't say you were easy, <laughs> which is a which is not a bad thing. But they all said that you were a supervisor of the people under you, that you worked diligently for them. And that's really, for me, that's when I take a second look at someone. Now, you and your wife actually started this scholarship. Is that correct? Well, so my family, uh, my wife my wife has been a part of it. Um, when uh, when my dad passed away, one of the things that we started looking at was how how do we um, memorialize my dad? How do I, how do I, you know, how does his memory live that he walked the earth? And uh, it was just something that was preoccupying my mind. And, and uh, it, it took maybe a couple of weeks and, and, and I was thinking through it and I thought the story of this thousand dollars came to my mind. And, uh, and I thought that's, that's it. So how, how can we help, um, someone, uh, a family it's specific. So the scholarship is the Jesus Aguilar Memorial scholarship. Uh, it's funded by my family, uh, my mom and my mom and I, my, my brothers. Um, and it is given to one Dexter high school student, um, every year, um, who, who's a great student, uh, but also has some kind of a need. And, uh, cause we didn't want, I thought what a legacy to, to, uh, help a family every year, um, not have to do what my dad and my mom did, mm-hmm. which, which is take out a loan, uh, and figure out how to pay it back just to get their, their son an education. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, that's wow. kind of a neat story. Now, um, part of the, being part of the National Guard, you guys are doing more than just practicing war. You know, we had talked before, and we had brought this up, and then you had reminded me, you guys have the youth challenge in Roswell. Right. And so so, the, so you're right. So the, so the Mexico National Guard, the National Guard is unique to states, right? So they, uh, what, what makes them different from the full-time military and the reserves is that we work for the governor. And so we've got uh, two missions. We got the federal mission, which is to prepare to uh, to uh, to fight and defend the the nation's uh, um, uh, wars and in in things overseas. But the other part of it is the state mission, which is to help our citizens. Under that umbrella is uh, the New Mexico National Guard Youth Challenge Program. It's been in existence for for many years, um, and it's one of the programs that I oversee now, um, and uh, it's based out of Roswell. So we take uh, at-risk teens between 16 and 18 years old. Um, many of them, uh, for the most part, dropped out or, or have a are having a uh, are, fall, are falling behind in their education, uh, and they go to a uh, it's a, I think it's 22 weeks, um, and they spend it's a it's a paramilitary environment. Most of the cadre that work there have got some type of military experience, 
Um, they, so they get up every morning, um, early and they do physical fitness training. Um, they're, they're in a strict military type environment. Uh, they take education classes to, to get them caught up on their education. Uh, we've partnered with uh, Eastern New Mexico university in Roswell, uh, to do some job training. So there's, uh, like EMT training. Uh, there's, uh, some, some basic automotive training, uh, that they can do as an elective. So that they walk out with some skill sets. Um, and, and then they take a test at the end, uh, to do some of their, some of their recovery. The program has been amazing. Um, they get, uh, I, I believe about 60 or percent of the kids that go there, graduate from the program, about 80% of them pass the test at the end of it. And so, uh, we've had some phenomenal success. Um, it's, it's representative of the entire community, uh, of New Mexico. Uh, we, we have, um, we would love to see more people from the Albuquerque metro area because there's such a population density and mm. really the population in the school is it representative of the population uh, percentage of, of uh, the metro area for, for the state. Um, how, but, are, uh, how are kids chosen to go? Right. So they apply. So there's uh there's an application process they go through. Um, there we we're we're doing a lot to try to get on social media and do advertising mm-hmm. and try to get uh, to, uh, to, kids who are interested uh, to family members who, who yeah. want to refer them uh, and get them the information in the moment when they're looking for it. And so we're doing a lot of social media things and, and working through Google to, to try to get the right search stuff. But, um, you know, typically uh, we have a class that starts somewhere between 150 to hundred, depending on the, on the year uh, we're, we're fixing to start a class here in the next week or so. Um, but we want to see it grow. Um, mm-hmm. it's right. the great thing about it is it's, it's funded by the national guard bureau. So, um, 75% of the money spent on this program comes from the federal government. The other 25% is a match from the state of New Mexico. So you know, bang for the buck for the first citizens of the state of New Mexico. It's, it's a great program. Uh, and they've had great success and there's, you know, I've got a, I've got a, uh, a young man there who graduated from the program several years ago, joined the national guard is went back as a cadre member, uh, is now a recruiter. Wow. Uh, he, he's going to do great successful things. There's, um, there's one young man who, um, graduated from the program many years ago, uh, went in the military, came back, uh, from the military, used his GI bill to go to college, uh, and is now a doctor, uh, here in Albuquerque. Um, so we've had some, some tremendous successes in that program. Well, and it's changing the lives of the kids of New Mexico. Right. And, and this is for kids that maybe haven't had the greatest start in school, or is it just in general, I mean, run-ins with the law? Or is all, it All of those things, okay, absolutely. Okay. And so, um, you know, they, all of them have, have something missing in their mm-hmm. lives yeah. that, that is keeping them on, on the correct path. And mm-hmm. so it, it could be a family situation. Mm-hmm. It, it could have been a run-in with the law. They could have just fallen behind in school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Uh, all of them come in and they're given those, those, we try to instill those values and the, and the mm-hmm. discipline in them, uh, to continue forward. And so typically when I talk to them, uh, and I'll, I'll visit with each class, you know, several times is, um, you know, what, what I, what I tell them is, look, you got to own your life from here on. So mm, no matter what the circumstances yeah. were that put you in this place, no matter what you didn't get in life, you've been given the tools now to mm-hmm. succeed. So you have to own your life from here forward. Mm. You know, up until this point, you can say, "Hey, I didn't get something. Mm. I didn't get the advantage someone else got." Um, but you have a staff in 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 this program that loves you. 
You have a, a National Guard that is here to support you. Mm. And so um, make good choices or bad right. choices the rest of your lives, but you got to own it from here right. forward. But right. sometimes that's what it takes is to have that support, to just know that someone is believing in you. I mean, we we have a kid in our home right now that it's about work. I mean, we, we keep trying to figure this kiddo out and we're like, golly, what is it that fuels him? And it's a job well done. And we would have never known that unless, you know, Clay decided to resod the backyard. Just kidding. It was me. Um, but yeah. honeydew, <laughs> honeydew. <laughs> but, you know, like you said, you know, letting them know that the National Guard is supporting you. Oh, my goodness. You know, well, that's, that's I think, amazing. Yeah, I think that's the the. So to me, uh, it was a, a few years ago, I, I, I read a, a book from Malcolm Gladwell called Outliers. It talks about self-made people and how there is no there is no self-made person mm -hmm, right. um, that all of us. Uh, are are have gotten someone in our lives who has helped propel us to success, mm -hmm. whatever level of success that may be. And um, you know, to me, it was a counselor who who grabbed me out of the blue and took me to a school to to show me a different path. It was a a a, a phone conversation with my brother. It was my dad, and my mm -hmm. mom taken out a loan to put me on the right place. And along the way, of thirty years as as a national guardsman, twenty years as a state policeman, there's been people in my life who have helped me at the right moment. And so um, this is one of those programs that I, I think is, is capable of, of providing that, that push in the right direction. Look, I mean, it's hard work. It's hard work to gotten where you've gotten in your lives. It's hard work for me to have gotten where I have, but hard work alone isn't, isn't the only thing that determines success. It's, it's having uh, the right opportunities mm -hmm. at the right place and people to help propel you along the way. And so, um, that's kind of one of the things as I've gotten older in life, my, my wife's a teacher, um, uh, that, that we really look at is, uh, what are we doing to help the community propel itself forward, uh, to make this place a better place. Right. How awesome. Okay. I want to hear just a different side of this and then we're going to come right back. Where have you been in the world? Where have you been deployed? Um, so I, you know, Afghanistan, uh, so in 2005, uh, I was a I was a young major, uh, and I got an opportunity to uh, to go to Afghanistan and uh, spent a year on the ground as an embedded trainer. Um, most of my time in Kandahar, uh, right about the time where, um, if if you can think back to that moment in history, um, Afghanistan was was kind of a small thing size wise. Mm -hmm. um, we, we had maybe 18,000 Americans there at the time. Um, the, the, the IEDs hadn't quite come when we got there. It was the first, the first election, um, uh, where, where Hamid Karzai was, was, was elected. I got there right about that time. Um, and, uh, fantastic experience to, to be embedded with an Afghan National Army Infantry Battalion and to, to mentor, um, their, their leadership. And, uh, my, that battalion just happened to be attached to a, to the uh, special forces task force that was operating in in Kandahar, so I got some some great opportunities to to work with some of the best uh, that the United States Army has uh, to to offer and to 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 help a uh, a a young army in the Afghan army that was trying to raise itself up, and so I I got to do that for a year, um, and then in uh, 2012. Um, I was selected to be a to be a battalion commander, and uh, I got to take the first of the 200th Infantry Battalion uh, from here in New Mexico to the Sinai, Egypt, yep. 
uh, to be a part of the uh, multinational force and observers mission, which is, you know, had its histories from the Camp David Accords uh, under under President Carter, um, and uh, we've been there since the '80s, uh, helping to to keep that peace uh, in force between Egypt and Israel. Hmm. Um, and so, uh, great great opportunities uh, to do to do both of those things. Too cool. So we're going to end with this. If you were going, if you had the chance to talk to the entire world, everybody could hear you, and you were going to tell them one thing, from the richest of the rich, the most powerful of the powerful, to the poor of the poor, what would you tell them? Wow. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think that, um, that uh, you know, this, so th- this is the philosophy of how I, I have been trying to live my life, especially mm. later, and that is that, um, there, I have tried to give my life, uh, in, in service, um, to, to community and to this country. Um, I think because I got those opportunities, you know, whether it was a Pell Grant and I th- we had some, we had some family assistance in the seventies with my family is big, uh, and we didn't have a lot. And so, um, I, th- I think it's, um, it's giving back to your community. I, I, um, we had a, uh, a, a, a challenge in our lives and my daughter and I was, I was talking to her a few, a few years ago. And, um, I, I had written a, a note on, uh, on my iPhone, um, at, at, as like at an event, uh, talking about your life and stuff. And so I, I wrote, a, I wrote, a, I, I was over, uh, I was overcome with like this, this thought as, as I was sitting in this classroom and, um, and at lunch break, I grabbed my iPhone and I composed a message uh, to to my kids because I thought if, if something ever happened to me, how how do I instill mm. in them some uh, some sense of advice to how to live their lives? And and um, and in that message was live your life in service to your community. And what what has been shocking to me uh, as uh, about that is I really, I really have tried to live my life that way is to try to see how, what can I do for my community and to help people, um, along the way. And, and the, the almost, um, uh, difficult part of it is that the more I do that, mm. the more that seems to come back. Right. And it, and it, in, as you live your life selfless, um, it's rewarding so much in the other end of it. And so it, it, you know, you almost feel guilty. Yeah. Right. Cause you're trying to give, uh, and you're getting more than what you're, than what you're giving. Um, and so I think it's that is, is this is, this world needs more people, um, who are just trying to make the place a better place to live. And I think if, if, if we did that, we would be, uh, further along than where we are. Well, what a pleasure it has been to have General Miguel Aguilar, and uh, if if uh, what a lion! But if I was to give the roar that you have instilled in me, the roar out to our community was to own your life from here forward and to serve others. Mm. We want to thank you. Well, what thank a privilege to have you here. Me. Thank you. Thank you.
I truly hope you enjoyed today's guest and you found inspiration, guidance, and you want to share it. Put it on Instagram, Facebook. Tell people about us. It would mean a lot to us. You can also give us your feedback at voiceofalion.com. And if you want to help us financially, you want to get involved with our nonprofit and what we do for the communities, not only here in New Mexico, but around the world, you can go to aspenproject.org and there's tons of ways to donate and find out more of what we are doing. Thanks again for being a Voice of a Lion listener and tell everyone, 